Time for coffee because the sun will be coming up soon. And we've got to get a move on before these birds start singing their tune. If you're low on cash, don't speak it. If your job is a grind, don't let it show. The devil has ears to hear you, and that's the only way he's gonna know. We've all got our own burdens, and they have their time and place. So take the load you carry. Hey guys and gals, Cable here. Thanks for dropping by. We're doing something different on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show here, and that is a bonus coverage. That's right. Something that we haven't done previously, but the bottom line is I have more content than I can put out in one show. Some of it's more time sensitive than other stuff. Uh, We taped this episode with Mark Drury, and I was thinking, you know what? We got to get this out now. So this might be the first of many bonus content episodes. Don't even have a name for them yet, but we'll think of something catchy, right? Uh, But with that being said, spring turkey season is here, and gobblers are on everybody's minds. So let's dive right into it with longtime turkey hunter and one of the OGs when it comes to outdoor television, Mark Drury of Drury Outdoors. It's been a few years, but it's uh, great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, so when does you guys, uh, when does y'all, when does your turkey season open up? Well, in the Midwest, Missouri opens on the 19th. Iowa opens a week prior to that on April the 12th. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm, I'm going to start earlier than that in South Texas here in late March. And then in the central part of Texas there in early April. So I'll take advantage of both the Southern opener and the Northern opener in, in Texas. Oh, well, so you're about to head this way then. Right yes. Now. Absolutely. Tomorrow yeah. <laughs> or well, Friday. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm heading down to, uh, like deep South Texas, uh, like Raymondville, quite kind of close to the King ranch. I, I was hunting Neil guy there a couple of years ago and came across the dumbest turkeys on the face of God's green earth and, uh, asked the outfitter like, what's, what's the deal with these? He's like, uh, yeah, he told me the price and I was like, I will be here next year. <laughs> we went there last year and we shot four turkeys and like, a day and a half and one of the turkeys i'm not kidding you one of the toms watched us walk out of the woods set a decoy out and then not 10 minutes later he walked up to that decoy and my buddy shot him oh man (laughs) you found you found the turkeys we've all been looking for i I I almost felt bad but no it was it was fun it made for some great footage and some good laughs and uh, delicious meals that's for sure. But, you know, it's funny like that because the season before that, I hunted more days than I'd ever hunted with the least amount of success that I'd ever had. So turkeys can do that to you. They can humble you one day and then the next day they make you look like, uh, you know, an all star. My, my uncle Marvin said it all the time when we were turkey hunting and he really summed it up best. And this is who I, I turkey hunted with when I was a young boy and all the way up into our 20s. He was he was very popular in our early video series, but he mm-hmm. would always say, you know, Mark, some days you can't do anything right, and some days you can't do anything wrong. And that, <laughs> that pretty much sums up turkey hunting exactly. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, as we get going here, what um, what is one funny turkey hunting experience that stands out in, you know, all of the seasons that you have under your belt? You know, there are so many. Um, we... One of our, our funniest things that ever happened to us was early on in our videos, 
we had a turkey that Steve Stoltz was calling, and I believe it was Steve. And he came running in so fast and just ran right past Steve. And Steve never even got a shot. He was full strut coming as fast as he could come. And uh, he just ran right past him. And, you know, literally almost touched his elbow or his shoulder as he went by. And everybody nicknamed that turkey the Roadrunner turkey. And uh, I've never seen one do that before or since because he just kept on running. After he came to the call, he just ran right past. He didn't, he didn't alarm putt or anything else. But you just you just never know how turkeys are going to react. I mean, every day is different, and every every hunt is a chess match. And the one thing about turkey and it's so cool, it's uh you know it's a social sport. I'm I'm usually never alone when I'm turkey hunting. I'm always with uh -huh. somebody, and we're having a blast. And you're moving, and you're trying to get in the right position. It's not like deer where you sit for very long periods of time. But turkey is is uh, my my true love. I love to turkey hunt, like to deer hunt. I say that all the time. Uh huh. Yeah. One time, uh, this was when I was pretty, pretty new to the turkey hunting game. I mean, I had a decoy and I probably had a box call. Um, and I, my buddy had had too much to drink the night before. So he was like, I'm going back to the truck. My head hurts. I was like, well, it's opening day. So I'm going to sit my ass right here and see what happens. So I'm calling and nothing's happening. And I finally get up and, uh, this is around, uh, Abilene, Texas and, I get up and go take a leak behind the cedar tree and I come back and there's a turkey, a Jake standing there looking at me and I slowly get my shotgun up off my shoulder and I shoot him and he's flopping. And then I, I walk over there. He's probably 20 yards away. And I'm like, why this thing has stopped flopping. Why do I hear more flopping? So behind the, that cedar tree, there was another turkey flopping. So I walk back and grab him. And then there's another turkey flopping behind him. So three, three Jakes with one shot, which I only could see the first one. And you know, that adage, you know, don't, you should know what you're shooting at. Well, you know, I didn't, I couldn't see anything behind there. Luckily in Texas, we have four Turkey tags. Uh, and so I was able to tag each one of them. It was opening day. Uh, but certainly one of those things that is like, man, that could have been bad if that was the last day of the season, you know? Oh, uh, certainly. Yeah. And it's, it's happens, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it can happen. You're shooting a shotgun pattern and often they come in in groups and, uh, you try as best you can to make that good, clean, ethical shot. But once in a while you get a flyer, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, the correct thing to do is if you don't have a legal tag, call the game board and go, look, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're made for a good picture and, uh, it's just some good meals. That's, that's for sure. I just thought um, of another funny anecdote there. There was a day that Terry and I were in Kansas called this Turkey and Terry shot it and, uh, just stone cold dead out. Right. Flopped uh -huh. a little bit out. We get it tagged, set up. We're starting to do the, the interview for, for the show. And all of a sudden, he kind of gets a little life, and he puts his head up. <laughs> Next thing we know, he takes off mid-interview and looked <laughs> on our faces. And he went and jumped, went across the creek, and we were the, we were off to the races. We we eventually got to Turkey, but we thought we were losing. <laughs> and I mean, he was down. That's crazy. Yeah, it was Just crazy. Knocked him out, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, our season is six weeks. You you hunt here quite a bit. Um, I've always enjoyed. What you know, the South Zone opens this coming weekend. The uh, the North Zone will open the first weekend of April. Traditionally, I've always liked the second and third weeks of the season uh, as far as like gobbler activity. Is there any science or any thought to you know your experiences as to which part of the season uh, tends to be the most active for toms? Um, I, I would say there in Texas, I like the early part because nobody's called to them yet. They're mm -hmm. still very aggressive, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of mating going on. There's still, you catch the flocks still breaking up in certain situations. So I like that. 
And then I, I agree with you two or three weeks later, once those hens start to peel off and you're seeing single hens during the middle part of the day, that's a great sign that they're starting to nest. And all of a sudden birds start to lose those hens in the middle part of the day. And that's, that's a great time to get out there and get after them. But really turkey hunting so weather dependent, mm -hmm. any time of the year or any time of the season can be quite good provided that you've got the right weather. Cold weather is great for deer. It's not, not so great for turkeys. Warm fronts are really good for turkey hunting. Pretty days. And those are the days you really want to make sure you're out there and you don't miss your chances. Right. Um, what about, what about barometric pressure? And I haven't actually like studied this, but I have read some articles on, um, and my buddy just, um, his, he has two daughters. They each killed a Tom for youth weekend this last weekend here in Texas. And he was, tell me about this, um, that he really adheres to this, this thought that between, I think it's like 29.9 and 30.2 inches of pressure is when toms are going to be the most active. But like you said, if a front's coming in and that pressure changes, it's going to shut them up. Um, it, it can, but turkey hunting is situational in that I've seen beautiful days where you think they should just be ripping it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if he's sitting there looking at a bunch of hens he may not gobble at all, particularly here in the Midwest or in the Southeast. Uh -huh. So it's situational to the point that, you know, it just depends whether he's looking at a hen or not. So regardless of the weather, I think it's more dependent on what stage of the mating you're in and what stage you catch that bird in, you know, how many hens he has around or how, when the last time was he was with a hen. Uh, it's very situational, but certainly I think if there's an optimum range, yes, high 29s, low 30s, generally high pressure is good for all game movement that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. we, we do an app called DeerCast, and uh, we predict pressure is one of 13 weather variables that, that predicts overall deer movement. Um, and I've watched it through the turkey seasons, and generally if it's a great day to deer hunt, it's generally a pretty good day to, to hunt turkeys as well. But there is that situational component to it that can really limit you know, what the gobbling's going to be like or how active they are. But that same turkey that doesn't gobble on the limb at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, if he loses that hen, then he's, he's, his battery's still full because he didn't decharge on the limb. So he's got a lot of gobbles left. So I pay attention to those days. Like if they gobble well in the morning, oftentimes they may not gobble well later in the day. A turkey's only going to gobble so many times. I always say he's got a battery like your phone. And when it oh. runs out, then he's done gobbling for the day. However, if he didn't gobble well that morning, he's got some stored up, his battery's still fully charged, and he's going to ex expend that energy. So I pay attention to each morning. So even if they don't gobble in the morning, I kind of get excited because chances are later on they will gobble. And so if you had to pick morning or evening or afternoon, what uh, what's your favorite? Both. I mean, I, I <laughs> you know, when it's legal. Lunchtime, all of it, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. When it's on <laughs> and it's good weather, I'm out there hunting. The biggest enemy or one of the biggest enemies of turkey hunting is, is weather, specifically the wind, which you yeah. know a lot about down there in Texas. Like those windy days make it really challenging for us to hear and uh, for them to hear. And windy days can, can be challenging. Sometimes they'll shade up or brush up on those really heavy winds. I'm talking 25 to 40, somewhere in there. Uh -huh. And uh, that, that makes it tough. I think you're windy there today, if I'm not mistaken, at least Bill. Yep. Hill, well, Bill. we're no strangers to high winds. That's for yeah. sure. So those high windy days can be tough. What about rain? Because I had an interesting experience a couple seasons ago where it was just like a torrential downpour in the morning and I looked at my buddy and was like, I'm not going out on that. He's like, yeah, I'm not either. We went back to sleep. I woke up like around nine and I went to this field and it was still raining pretty hard. I just was like, I got to get out. I got to, you know, I'm wasting time. 
So I get out there and th- that that field had like 15 birds in it. And I think like, I think they were just trying to be out in the open because sure. the, they could uh, detect predators better than if they were like in thick brush or I don't know. I thought it was weird at first. And then like, well, it kind of makes sense because they could see danger coming when they can't hear it as well. You're exactly right. They love to go to big open areas when it rains. Uh-huh. And one thing I always key in on is I wait till the rain ends and then I give them another hour or so for them to preen because they get real wet and then they're going to preen and dry off and fluff out. You give them another hour or so after the rain, then they start to walk and get active again. But certainly they're going to go to an open area on a rainy day. And that's pretty consistent wherever you hunt in the country. What do you think the biggest difference between hunting Rio's and Eastern's is? Um, so often I find with Rio Grands, they all roost in the same general spot. So they're quite hinned up early in the morning. Uh-huh. And I probably have a little more luck with, with Rio's later in the day than I do Eastern's. I have good luck with both subspecies late in the day, but Rio Grands especially. Uh, the other thing I've noticed about Rio Grands, we always used to say they put their tennis shoes on and they go. They have a tendency to walk quite a bit, a little bit more than Eastern's. Eastern's will hold up in a certain spot and he'll gobble and gobble and you can go get on him. Sometimes the reels will do that, but more often than not, I find they walk a tremendous amount during the day. Well, I feel like half the time I'm following those damn tracks. Right. So You're always, sure. behind. <laughs> always behind them. What do you think about um, hunting out of a, a pop-up blind versus running and gunning? And someone asked me, even on Instagram today, what's the uh, – uh, I posted, hey, I mean, you know, where I shoot them is base of the neck. That way you've got the whole head covered once you've patterned your shotgun. That's what I like to do. They were like, well, what about a broadhead? And I said, well, I've never shot a turkey with a bow because deer hunting turkey doesn't appeal to me. I know a lot of guys in the Midwest will sit in a pop-up blind and these turkeys do what turkeys do. They make their daily loop and then finally they show up in front of the pop-up and you smoke one with a bow. And that's great. I'm not knocking it. But it's kind of like um, during the elk rut, I want to be chasing them, talking to them. I don't want to be sitting at a water hole. Um, so, I do both. I, you yeah. know, it just depends on the situation. They're very situational. I'll run and gun all day. But in the afternoons, if I feel like there's a strut zone they're going to go to before they go to roost or uh-huh. first thing in the morning, if they go to a strut zone and, and, and show out, I'll go there and set up in a blind, you know, especially if it's a high knob or a wheat field that you can't get out. And there's no cover there. I'll yeah. pop the blind up and decoys up and, and kill them that way. I don't bow hunt them a lot. I have killed turkeys with a bow. I prefer to hunt them with a shotgun. I just think yeah. it's the ultimate, you know, way to kill a turkey <laughs> right? right in the head, you know? Yeah. Oh, kill. yeah. It's because their vitals are really small on a turkey and I'm not knocking it because I've killed turkeys with a bow, but I think if you're going to kill them with a bow, try to get them close, try to make a pinpoint shot at the, the ball of that uh, wing, butt, or facing, I love halfway between the bottom of the waddles and the top of the beard right there facing or facing away base of the neck down just a little bit. Those vitals sit very high in that, in that chest cavity and they're just below the neck. So you've got to make sure that you know where those vitals are in practice and make sure you can, you know, hit a quarter at, at 10 yards. And then, then you can go out and take them. I generally shoot a fairly big broadhead, uh, range 2.3. You can be successful with turkeys, but I've also seen a lot of guys, uh, breast shoot them, lose them, you know, that type of yeah. stuff. I, I hate that for the bird. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that, yeah, but the reason, why I guess I, I don't uh, hunt them with a bow is because when you're running and gunning, I mean, their best line of defense, obviously, is their yeah. eyesight. It's almost impossible to be sitting in the brush and come to full draw on a, a wary it's a tom. It's a real challenge unless, unless, 
it's a real challenge unless he's strutting and he hides his head with his fan, then mm -hmm. you can, you know, get away with it. But it's, it's tough. I like to be in a blind if I'm going to bow hunt, cause you got to be able to draw. But I, you know, me personally, I like to cut and run, man. I cover ground until I find a hot turkey. That's my general rule of thumb. I don't, I don't sit very long during Yeah, this no. So what, um, speaking of calling, uh, what calls are you using? I know our friends over at GSM Outdoors um, have, have sent you some for this season. What's in your turkey vest? Well, we just did a new series with GSM HS. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. we, we, we collectively put our heads together, myself, Tad Brown, Paul Butsky, Terry, my brother, and we came out with a new series. I, I have some here. We didn't talk about that, but I've got the line here. We've got uh, the new Final Roost box call, uh -huh. walnut base, purple heart lid. Awesome sound. Uh -huh. We've got the new Final Roost, which is a sycamore pot and peg. Again, awesome call. What we focused on was a line that was competition worthy, in our opinion, uh -huh. unbelievable quality, but yet easy to run for the average turkey hunter. So we wanted to create a line that sounded like you could walk on stage, but was easy to achieve those sounds. Um, we did the same thing with our mouth calls. My two favorite in that line are the, are the ghost tongue and the, and the uh, tongue cutter plus. Uh, again, very easy to blow, high pitched. nothing coming out of my mouth in terms of air very little tongue pressure very little air the reeds are spaced closely together it's the best latex and and uh, materials out there and they just run really easily so we're very proud of the line they've also got a locator call best coyote howler on the market in my opinion that's wow my that's my cat runs into the other <laughs> room uh so anyway we worked real hard to come up with unbelievable sounds easy to achieve uh-huh now i like a diaphragm call because obviously of the hands-free component sure but i've had to i guess i have like a really bad gag reflex i have to take most of those calls and cut them down to smaller um i don't know if a lot of people have to do that but i certainly have had to i think some do it's a matter of whether you can handle it in your mouth or not uh, yeah. but one thing about trimming tape when you do so a little bit goes a long way because all of a sudden you can go too far and then the air is escaping because the tape's there to create a seal in the roof of your mouth. Right. So if you do start trimming it, you really want to take off about a centimeter all the way around at a time and do that again until you finally get it there. You don't want to take off a quarter inch or something all the way around. You want to do it very slowly and make sure you end up with something that you can handle, but still you don't lose that, that sealing mechanism. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's anything better than being able to finish off a, uh, a Tom with, with a diaphragm just because you don't have to, you know, use your hands. Less sure, movement. Absolutely. So, um, it took me a long time to get confident enough to, to, to do that. But I think the calls have come a long way as well. Like you said, they're more user-friendly than they, they were are. 15 years ago. Oh, if I'd have had this, I used to call competitively back in the early 90s. I would have won everything with these calls. <laughs> the materials are better, and we've just figured out the echo chambers, the thicknesses, the type materials, and it's, we've got it down to a science, you know, and it, it mm -hmm. uh, they really are, in my opinion, they're the best production run calls on the market right now. Like, they are awesome. Yeah. Well, they're sending me some, so I'm going to 
test them out this season as well. Looking Good. forward to that. What about um, decoy strategy quickly? Uh, what if you're say you're running and gunning? What's in your decoy bag? And you get it. You get a Tom talking to you. You're, you have time. You actually have time to get out a decoy setup. Um, what are you putting out? I, I take it into three thirds of the season. First early part of the season, I'm going to have a Jake or a or a strutting decoy of some sort along with hens, a little bit more of a flock type of approach during the middle third of the season. I'm generally a lone hen. And then that bleeds into that final stage when gobblers start to group back up. Then I'm going back with a Jake or, or having a, a male Turkey with you. And, and one thing I always think about decoys, when you put them out, if they're flaring, then you need to think, okay, what, what do they not like? It's probably not the decoys because the decoys on the market are very lifelike and incredible these mm -hmm. days. So I always go, okay, what did I do that was wrong here? More often than not, if you have a gobbler present and you're having birds flare, get rid of the gobbler, go with hens only, and you'll have a little bit more luck. Sometimes certain parts of the season, gobblers just don't want to be around other gobblers or they might've had their, their tail end kicked. Mm -hmm. So if you're having flares, get rid of the, get rid of the gobbler out of your setup. I used to, um, and I still keep all my fans, obviously, but I used to put a real fan in a big strutter mm -hmm. decoy. I don't think I've used that thing in like three seasons because of that reason. And it's just so Fair. cumbersome to to have to haul that thing around and then worry about your fan getting all beat up. So I typically, typically do just go with the hen or Jake as well. So, yeah. yeah. And no, no gobbler's afraid of a little Jake, so... Yeah, <laughs> I've seen I've seen it all, man. No, maybe a gang of them. I mean, who hasn't shot a, a Tom and then had six Jakes run in and start assaulting the carcass? Right, exactly. <laughs> a lot of that tends to go with population dynamics. So if you had a lot of Jakes the previous year, and then you've got a lot of two year olds, you're going to have a great season that year. However, if you've had bad hatches all, mm. all in a row and then all of a sudden they hatch. There's a ton of jakes, not a lot of longbeards. Those longbeards can be very scared of those groups of jakes. So it really depends on the population dynamics of that year in that area. Uh huh. That makes sense. Uh, what is your favorite turkey recipe? Oh, fried turkey breast, man. We, we cut it into thin strips, take it through uh, a tenderizer, and then it's egg and milk. Well, first, I'm going to soak it overnight uh -huh. in buttermilk. Then I'm going to go egg and milk into flour. Then I'm going to go into uh, panko breadcrumbs and then deep Ooh, yeah. fry it. Ooh, it's <laughs> Tough to beat that. We did um, that, that really unintelligent turkey that my buddy shot in South Texas. We were like tent camping last year, had a campfire, and we took the heart and liver and gizzards and cut them up and then took some of the fat from the, the breast of the bird and, and got it going in a skillet with a little garlic. Oof, that was that was a fine meal. Awesome. Good for you guys. Yeah. You know something else? A lot of guys will waste those those wings and thighs and legs. Mm -hmm. And we've started taking all that meat off, deboning it when we clean the turkey. We'll mix it with two breasts. So basically all the meat off the turkey with one pound of bacon, mm -hmm. you know, mixed in with it, sliced up real small. And then we run it through our meat processor, our grinder, and yeah. we have turkey burger the year round. It, it's amazing. Oh man, that it's sounds amazing. awesome. It's so much better than deer burger. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, if I wanted to get a Merriam's turkey, because I mean, I think everyone knows you got to go to Florida to get an Osceola. Um, you can get. A, I've never shot an Eastern. We have some in Texas. Our 
Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has done a, a great job reintroducing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's out of our four tags, only one can be an Eastern. And uh, the, their numbers just aren't that great. So I, I haven't ever actually pursued them here. Um, but obviously you can get Easterns all out, you know, Midwest. And, sure. Um, but uh, where, where have you hunted Merriam's? And, and what is it like hunting uh, basically, a, I guess it's like more of a mountainous turkey species. It can be, but you get into like Nebraska up in the sand hills, they've got some pure white Merriams. I think they're officially called a hybrid throughout much of Nebraska, but they, to me, they look like Merriams. Mm-hmm. Um, I've hunted them in New Mexico. I've hunted them in Colorado, killed some pure Merriams in some beautiful country in Colorado. When you get into them, they are a blast to hunt. South Dakota's also got probably what would be considered a hybrid, but there's also pockets of pure Merriams. If you go on to nwtf.org, there's uh-huh. maps on their main page that'll show you where the pure strain Merriams are and where all the hybrids are. But okay. uh, to me, a turkey's a turkey's a turkey. I love hunting <laughs> species. If they'll play the game and, and have some fun, it's the best sport ever, especially in, in the spring of the year. Absolutely. Well, so just wrapping up here, um, where can folks follow along with uh, the Drury Outdoors crew? You know, the easiest place is probably on our app, DeerCast. Uh, we've got it downloadable in all the app stores. It's, there's a free version. There's also a pay version uh, for pro or another one for elite. Uh, and then you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Drury Outdoors, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. we got a, a very nice offering of videos on YouTube that are always playing. And, um, you know, we just love to have a conversation about hunting. That's our goal is try and teach people, have fun while we're teaching, and then uh, talk about hunting a good bit. Well, you guys have been doing it for a long time and uh, are still at the top of your game. So I certainly appreciate the time and good luck uh, down here in Texas. Thank you. Good luck to you. I appreciate you having me on, man. So there you have it. Bonus turkey content with Mark Drury of Drury Outdoors. If you like that, uh, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcast. Five stars if you're so inclined. Uh, Always helps us in the rankings or the algorithm, whatever. Uh, it's all Greek to me still after uh, damn near, what, 12 years or so. Uh, but yeah, leave a review. Love to uh, to get your thoughts. Good luck chasing those gobblers this spring. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for dropping by. Oh,